Okay, well, welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. And this week we're talking stock exchanges and more specifically the Aquis Exchange here in London. Um, It's something that some listeners will have heard about and others will not. So um, to tell us more about it, we actually have the CEO of the Aquis Exchange on the podcast today, and that's Alistair Haynes. Welcome to the podcast, Alistair. It's great to be here. Thanks very much. So, Alistair, can you can you tell us a little bit more about what the Aquis Exchange is? Indeed, I founded this business uh, just over 10 years ago, and its original intention was to be an equities trading platform across Europe. And what differentiated us was the subscription model. I'm a great believer that the marginal cost of zero can change the way, change human behavior and actually get more people to trade. And that's one of the problems that we found, not just in the UK, but all over Europe is the lack of liquidity. And we think the subscription model can change that. From that, we then realized we had a cutting edge technology and we built a technology business. And that's our second division. The third division is the one that I think uh, most of your listeners will, who have heard of Aquis will, will have heard of this, which is the stock exchange business. And we are here as a challenger stock exchange that wants to go out there and force innovation through competition in a way that actually we can get more more, uh, appropriate and proportionate rules to get scale up capital to businesses. And of course, the final division is the data that we have. And we obviously get data from our stock exchange business and we get data from our markets business. And that data we sell on to our clients. And I mean, looking at, say, for example, the London stock market landscape, why why does the market need another exchange because obviously everyone's familiar with the london stock exchange um what what sort of competitive advantage does aquis bring to the table um you know for companies well i think everybody has read recently in the media that um we, we people are sort of losing companies off to the united states and that the economy is suffering here in the united kingdom etc and I think we have to look at the United States as to why um, we they've got better capital markets than we have here in the UK. And the answer to that really, I believe, is the fact you have competing exchanges. NASDAQ completes direct, competes directly with the New York Stock Exchange. That forces innovation in a way that we do not get amongst national exchanges here in Europe. And the second issue here is that innovation, that competition amongst exchanges also drives retail. And it's ironic that we call these exchanges public markets, and yet we actually don't invite the public into most IPOs. And that, I feel, is very, very wrong. So the two things that we need in the UK is competition amongst these exchanges and getting the public back into public markets. And I think you can do that by better technology, better set of rules, and by forcing competition on an industry that has never really had any competition. Looking at this from the perspective of the actual investors themselves, both big and small, um, what sort of reasons should they have to be looking at the Aquis Exchange and indeed Aquis listed companies? Well, I think looking at two things, and we are actually listed on our own exchange as well. We have a listing also on uh, our competitor aim, and that's because we are the regulator and obviously we can't regulate ourselves. So why should people look at Aquis? Well, out of those four divisions, every single one of them is growing at double digit growth. Um, These are very, very difficult times, but we still have good growth, good profits uh, uh, across all those four different uh, areas of the company. 
why Aquis? Well, obviously, um, we, uh, we're in an area that I think is so critically important to the economy. If you look at where Britain is brilliant, and it is at startup capital, we can get entrepreneurs in this country to raise capital at an early stage because we've got things like SEIS and EIS. Where we are really, really bad is where those entrepreneurs have grown the startup business to the scale-up phase. We don't get scale-up capital. And we're really, really poor compared to America for that. I think the public markets are the ideal places for entrepreneurs to raise capital to scale up their businesses. And that means that the £1.8 trillion that sits in bank balances today, being eroded by the inflation we have in the market, can actually be used, some of that, to invest in the most successful asset class that we've seen over the last 100, 150 years, which is small cap and micro cap growth and value funds. So I think if we can start shifting these assets into uh, very, very sort of uh, you know, successful growth businesses, and the way you do that is by simplifying the process. People don't go to the public markets today. They don't go into equities today because the product is seen to be really complex and difficult. And in fact, you know that because the way that a retail investor goes and trades in the market today, they have to sign off on so many disclosure forms about the various risks they take. We have seen massive growth in things like cryptocurrency. And there are 5 million, war war there are five million wallets in the market today. And that means that this country is not risk averse, quite the reverse. However, if we can get those people to have something in a very simple way, in other words, when you, if you imagine if you went to a supermarket and everything on the shelves said, by the way, this, uh, this, this product may choke you or may kill you or make, make you very ill, you wouldn't go and buy any products. And yet today, whenever you want to buy an equity, you have to sign all sorts of disclosure forms about the risks. We need to have a healthier risk appetite. And it is the role of the exchange to de-risk the actual equities and the companies that are listed or quoted on that market to make certain that it's fully transparent. Now, that is what Aquis's intention is. That is why we have done more IPOs last year than, than our competitor. Um, and that is why I think we're growing so quickly. And I think the, that's the primary market side of it. But the secondary market is about how we then can get liquidity into this marketplace. And that means getting all the clients being able to have easy access, easy access to data and prices in a way, in exactly the same way as the sort of younger generation today trade in the crypto world. And if we can do that in the equities world, we can transform the capital markets in the UK, make them as good as the capital markets in the United States. And that is done through the divisions that we have, the technology we can provide, by the rules and regulations of the exchange itself, the stock exchange itself, and by having good secondary trading. And you've just mentioned, uh, you mentioned the, your markets and your, your technology divisions um, earlier on. It's obviously Aquis is not just an exchange. Can, can you explain a little bit more about what those, those divisions do for you as well? Well, the markets division, it was the original um, core business of the company. And that was where we can trade over 2,000 stocks, the major and mid-cap stocks, right the way across Europe on a single platform using the subscription model. And that means that you pay a fixed fee every month for a certain number of messages that you use. 
And that has allowed us to grow very, very significantly. As I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we do just around under 2 billion euros of business a day. And that makes us the seventh largest exchange group in terms of value traded on a daily basis. So the markets business has a model that has a marginal cost of zero. And that, of course, can enhance liquidity. The technologies business was something that when uh, I used to uh, you know, run an exchange prior to this, and when we left and I sold the company, uh, we, we, we realized that the technology was absolutely key to the success of the business. And we designed our own technology and we built our own technology from a number of the people who'd worked with me in the past. Um, that technology has developed over the last few years. And in fact, we had, through the Singapore Stock Exchange, a proof of concept um, where we could actually take exchange-grade technology and put it into the cloud. Why is that important? Because it changes the economics of running an exchange. So today, we built this division where we can sell exchange-grade technology. That literally means the ability to survey a market, uh, operate at in literally down to milliseconds and microseconds in a very, very reliable way. And by having by, by being able to build that platform within a cloud environment means that we can sell that to startup exchanges. We're now selling to uh, national governments, to other exchanges around the world. And that means that with this technology, you can do more advanced things than we've ever done in the past in the exchange world. Most of the exchanges around the world today operate on technology that is 10, 15, 20 years old. That is often exchange technology that was invented and built before Apple was even created. So you think of the advancement in technology over those years and the fact that the customer is not really getting the benefit of that advancement because of the age of the technology. And that is exactly what Aquis does. Putting those together, you can create a solid secondary environment for trading, a really advanced technology that can connect customers and get data to people and then build your primary market. And that's exactly what we're looking to do. And as you've mentioned as well, uh, you're a listed business, so people can actually buy shares in the business. Um, so you obviously put out results and you, you've put out some very, I thought, quite impressive numbers recently, um, particularly given the tough economic climate we're in at the moment. Um, what would you attribute that to? I mean, what, what, what's been the real um, powerhouse behind that, that growth that you've reported? Well, I think the model itself really helps here because in a time of economic crisis, and let's be honest, I've been in this game for pretty nearly 46 years. Um, this is probably the worst environment I've ever seen. So it is tough, not just for the people, you know, the, the, the retail market, but also for the institutional market. Volumes are very low. It's really hard to raise capital or all these things going on. So how can we buck the trend? I think it's in times of crisis that people look for new innovation. And it's this innovation of being able to have a subscription-based exchange where you change the cost of business because of the marginal cost of zero. If you have the advanced technology and you move forward because of that technology, which changes the economic um, costings of running a business, uh, running an exchange, and therefore those, those savings can be actually put out to the end investor and the, the institutions and the retail. And you change the rules to make things more proportionate and appropriate for customers who want to bring their companies and float their companies on the market. Then actually, when you look at all those areas, then you're forcing change on an industry that has never seen change in the past. And I think it's that 
change and innovation that people have started to like. Cheapening the cost, making things more efficient. Um, and, and let's, you know, I, I can go back, you know, when I first started in this game, those 45, 46 years ago, I could read a prospectus at a lunchtime. Um, you know, and quite often in those days, one would do, and then you take your checkbook around to the local bank, and then you go and buy some shares. Um, and, and that's the way that it worked. Now, I'm in my 60s now. But I can't read a prospectus over a weekend because it's eight, nine hundred pages long. You have 300 pages on risk disclosure. You know, the chief executive might fall off their bicycle on the way to the office or something. You know, it's levels of risk that, in my view, are just ridiculous for a company that wants to float. Our view at Aquis is if you can't explain your risks and you have more than 10, 12 risks, then then actually the 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 buyer of your shares is never going to understand your business properly you know, having hundreds of pages trying to describe your business is not an efficient way to sell what your what you know the benefit of the company you've got so we've templated all that we've made it shorter we've made it quicker we've made it easier for investors and we've made it easier for the company and if you can do that then also you're cheapening the cost because you don't need the same legal fees you don't need the same accounting fees and you don't need to spend as much time to take your company public now that does not mean lowering standards absolutely the reverse it means using technology templating and bringing things that are proportionate and appropriate to a company of these sizes that actually means you don't have lower standards, you have just greater efficiency. And it's that efficiency that has allowed people, uh, I think, and, uh, to, to allow Aquis to grow the way that we have grown. And now thinking a bit um, wider than, than just the London market, I mean, you're obviously already um, very active in, in Europe. Do you think that um, you have the potential to play a bigger role in the wider European financial markets landscape as well? I definitely think we can play a, a bigger role. If you look around, well, I mentioned earlier on about the United States and why does it have deeper capital markets? It's not just deeper capital markets than the UK. It actually has deeper capital markets than any country in Europe today. So the issues about getting scale-up capital and getting cheaper capital to growth businesses is not just a problem in the United Kingdom. It is a problem all over Europe. We're tackling today the secondary trading issues by having a business in Europe. We have an office in Paris, so we're represented uh, from a post-Brexit way. We can deal with any clients on Europe. We can deal with all clients based in the UK. So I think, you know, we're tackling the first problem. The second thing is, you know, are we at some point in time going to um, take the listings business and the technology we have international? Well, the technology we do, we now have clients based in every continent uh, uh, apart from obviously uh, Arctic and Antarctic, but you know, in every continent around the world, we have we have customers today, and we of course will look once we've succeeded in the listings business in uh, in the UK, we will look at the opportunities of whether we should expand that to Europe in the future. I wanted to just ask you something a little bit more specific, uh, and that was the recent changes to your proprietary trading rule um, on the UK and EU trading platforms. Um, can you can you give a little bit of background on what was driving that decision and what the benefits would be for, for market participants? Right. Well, this refers back to our original business. When we founded the business, this idea of the subscription, um, that, that was the differentiating factor that we had. Um, 
Unfortunately, it took a little time to get going. Uh, part of that was down to a lovely man called Michael Lewis, who wrote a book called Flash Boys at exactly the same time as we launched this, uh, this, this company. Uh, and of course, it looked at the electronic trading and it sort of in some ways demonized it. Now, I think the things in that book are factually correct, um, which was quite scary. And it put a lot of people off joining us at the beginning. So one of the things we did is we brought in a rule that tackled the problem that Michael Lewis was was trying to point out in his book, which is there are certain types of trading that rely on very, very high speed, otherwise known as high frequency trading or, or low latency trading. Now, part of that is, uh, and, and we are supporters of, of prop trading and high frequency trading, but part of the problem is there can be low latency and people will have an advantage and they use that arbitrage in the marketplace. And we brought in a rule back about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, which actually prevented proprietary trading firms. Now, that is the high frequency trading, certain hedge funds, any banks that had prop trading flow, and it prevented them from crossing the spread. That means they couldn't actually, if you wanted to buy, uh, go and, and take the offer. And if you wanted to sell, you couldn't actually go and hit the bid. They had to place orders in the marketplace. They had to be suppliers of liquidity. Now, that has allowed us to grow to the level that we've grown today. But of course, what it does do is it caps out your total accessible market because the prop trading flow in a market is very, very important. And there are lots of people who want to trade against that prop trading flow, which we haven't been able to achieve. So what we've done is something that I think is really clever here is that the market makers who supply the liquidity today, who are the only who cannot aggress across the spread, actually are going to be given a choice. And we've built the technology already, and we've offered to these people, do you or do you not want to trade against other prop trading firms? And they have that choice. And some will say yes, and some will say no. Now, what that means is our total accessible market grows enormously, because we believe that around about 30 to 40% of the market today is actually done by the proprietary trading flow. And we want that proprietary trading flow to be part of our business. Um, and that's why we've changed the rule. And I, I know we don't have much time left, but I wanted to um, I wanted to also talk to you about the IPO drought in the UK. I mean, that's something that's obviously focusing a lot of minds um, around London and, and more widely in the financial sector. Um, if you look at some other markets, there is a lot more IPO activity than there is in London, um, which is surprising. Um, what do you think is, is the problem here? And, and what do you think can be done to resolve that? Well, I think the world is seeing a lower amount of IPOs. Yes, there are some deals that are being done in other countries, but it is now at a very, very low level. Even in the United States, which we talk about as being sort of the biggest markets, uh, have seen a significant slowdown. And that really is a result of a global cost of living crisis. And we're all very, very familiar with that. I think, again, how you can fix that problem and why it is so important post-Brexit, post-pandemic, with the Ukraine war going on, with supply issues around the world, it is difficult. But you can fix it by making quite certain that the capital that is available is more easily um, got to uh, or given to these companies that are growing quickly and need that capital and that can help the economy. And I think you know, that can be done by making quite certain that we go back to this thing about proportionality and appropriateness. I know when we floated five years ago, 
we had a corporate governance code that is very similar to that of BP. Now, is that actually proportionate or appropriate for a company that at that time, I think we had 25 staff and BP obviously has many thousands more than that. Um, and therefore, that proportionality didn't seem right. And one of the things that I, I talk about a lot is that I know when I founded this business, to start with, or when I wanted to really scale up the business, I was spending 90% of my time looking for capital and 10% of my time on actually doing what you know I knew about and actually building this business. And I think that's a problem that we have in this country and in many others, which is entrepreneurs should be focused at doing what they're good at. And yes, they have to spend some time looking for capital, but not 90%. We need to reverse that. Maybe 10, 20% of the time you should be looking for capital and 80% of the time you're building your business. So our job at Aquis is to make that capital provision easier, more simple, more understandable, and also for the investors to be able to have easier access as to what's going on and have a more transparent and easier way of finding out who are these companies, where's that information, where can I get all the information about that company. So I think changes that are being made in the market today, the sort of things like the Rachel Kent of getting research, are really, really important to these small cap growth businesses that are out there, because people need to understand what they're investing in. And our job is important because we need to simplify that process. So through technology, through being able to pick up your smartphone, get all the information, be able to trade quickly and be able to look at mechanisms of which you can enhance liquidity in these stocks. I think that is how you change the way um, that capital markets can work here. And that is how you will drive economic growth in the United Kingdom, which either party, whether you're conservative or a Labour government supporter, I, both parties have said the way out of this mess is through economic growth. Well, thank you very much indeed for that, Alice. That's been really, really interesting, really insightful. Um, some very valuable perspectives there. And, and thanks for giving us some of your time this morning, because I know you're, you're a busy chap. Not at all. Thanks very much indeed. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.